This week, the comics guys explain Hawkman. Good luck, comic guys. Uh, yeah, thank you. We're going to need it. Absolutely. Today, we'll be talking about, as he said, Hawkman, uh, everyone's favorite Egyptian, or no, maybe he's an alien in the DC universe. So, uh, Darren, where does Hawkman come from? Hawkman was created uh, back in January of 1940. He was one of the stars of Flash Comics number one that month, which came out from All American, one of the companies that eventually merged together to form DC. And uh, that particular issue was kind of a big one for creating new characters. He is, uh, it's also the debut of the Flash, of Jay Garrick Flash, uh, and Johnny Thunder and the Whip. They all appeared for the first time in that story or in that series. Uh, he was created by writer Gardner Fox, who was the sole uh, on staff writer for All American at the time and was handling most of the actual writing for. Uh, that entire line. And the artist was a guy named Dennis Neville, who had gotten his start as one of the studio assistants for Joe Schuster working on Superman. And that team worked together for the first three issues. And then Dennis Neville uh, was replaced by a guy named Sheldon Moldoff, who is the artist who would be kind of the most famous and well-known of the early Hawkman artists. He's the, he's the version that you remember when you think of Golden Age Hawkman. Uh, he, the Hawkman clearly from a, from a design and uh, name perspective is very clearly based on Flash Gordon, uh, which was one of the most popular newspaper strips at the time and well-known to everybody. And the art was by uh, Alex Raymond, who was one of the greatest all-time Golden Age artists. And uh, very clearly, both Neville and Moldoff uh, are doing swipes from Alex Raymond's art for this. The Hawkmen uh, in Flash Gordon were an entire species of Flash's allies and, uh, you know, the, the, the look of the character with the wings and the, you know, the, the bird helmet and that sort of thing uh, are all very clearly a, a, an homage to Flash Gordon. And uh, today, Flash Gordon's not a character who's as well-remembered, or if they do, they only remember the movie. Um, and Hawkman kind of out-survived all of them. So Hawkman, as a character, is Carter Hall. He is an action archaeologist. And at the time, that was a very kind of like pop culture type of stock character to be. And, uh, you know, he, he, you know, busts into tombs and uh, recovers ancient artifacts and that kind of things. Very Indiana Jones in style. And even from the name, he is clearly based on a guy named Howard Carter. Howard Carter is a real-life archaeologist, and he had became famous back in the 1920s when he found the tomb of King Tut. Right. And uh, that had kind of, like, made him an international superstar. He was, you know, like, super famous. And that had just kind of, like, his fame had just kind of, like, died off a bit in the 30s. But he died in 1939, right mm-hmm. before the Hawkman series started. And so he was definitely kind of like in the news at the time as people were remembering his career uh, as an archaeologist. And so even the name Carter Hall is kind of reminiscent of the idea of Howard Carter, right? Like it's, you know, you can see where that came from. So is that like, because you you brought that up and it just made me think of like the original Blue Beetle is one of those and like Metamorpho is too. Absolutely. Was that just like for like a couple of years, like as often as like, 
you know, police officer or, you know, any of the other, uh, like very popular, uh, superhero. It's, it's certainly on the list. Yeah. Because it's a very obvious way to like become a superhero, right? If you like dig up some magical doohickey or whatever, and it gives you superpowers, boom, we're off and running. Like we explained that in four panels, you know? Right. Okay. So, uh, and, and I mean, Metamorpho, like, just proves what a useful uh, archetype it is because Metamorpho doesn't come around until the early '60s, right? Oh, but he's—it's okay. still a really useful, you know, backstory to have. Of, oh, I was an archaeologist on a dig in some ancient desert or some mysterious jungle somewhere or something, and I dug up a cool thing, and look what it turned me into. Right. Yeah. So, so Carter Hall is this action archaeologist. He's a you know two-fisted adventurer type, and he gets a uh, in the mail. He receives a package that includes an Egyptian dagger, like an ancient Egyptian dagger. And when he touches it, he has a flashback. And in that flashback, he realizes that he is in fact also the reincarnation of Prince Khufu from ancient Egypt. And the next page or two of the first story is his life as Prince Khufu back in Egypt with his with his uh, you know wife and his enemy, uh, who was a guy named Hathset. And Hathset uh, betrayed Prince Khufu and his wife and literally stabbed him in the back with the very dagger that he is now just touching right now. And as he is dying, you know, with his dying breath, Khufu swears that he will be reincarnated to avenge his own murder, uh, you know, at some point in the mysterious future. Uh, and so he suddenly realizes that when he touches this dagger. Meanwhile, in the city, there's a bunch of shenanigans going on, and like the entire elect, the entire subway system has been electrified, and there's a big subway accident, and Carter Hall uh, winds up kind of like caught in it and rescues some people, and meets Shiera, who he then suddenly realizes is in fact the reincarnation of his long lost wife. Uh, even though they've never met before for us. And she tells him that she has also been having weird dreams of this previous life. So Carter, uh, kind of, you know, obsessed with all of these ideas uh, for us now, goes home and he designs himself a costume that's got wings and the bird-shaped helmet and everything, which is based on the images of the hawk god Anubis, as it says in the comic, and then makes a flying belt from this mysterious gravity-defying something called Ninth Metal. Uh, there's a million things wrong with this, of course, as a story. First of all, Anubis isn't a hawk god. He's a jackal god. And so uh, the actual writers of this of Hawkman will figure this out some months from now and just rewrite all of that so it's actually Horus, not uh, Anubis, that he's uh, supposedly learned all this stuff from. As for Ninth Metal as an idea, uh, this concept it kind of comes from Gardner Fox having done some, you know, reading uh, about uh, what were called the seven metals of antiquity. And these are the seven metals on Earth that like most early civilizations knew, right, and could uh, identify and manipulate and, you know, make things out of, etc. That's like they recognized them. And those seven metals are gold, silver, copper tin, lead, iron, and mercury. And so in ancient magical practice, uh, you know, once again, this is half of this is complete hooey, but there's some kind of, you know, historical basis to this. In those magical practices, each of those uh, metals is associated alchemically with like a day of the week 
and a heavenly body like gold is the metal of the sun and it's you know also like the the metal of sunday and then okay. silver is the metal of the moon and that's the you know the metal of monday etc 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 so there's all this kind of like alchemical hui around the seven metals right and so ancient alchemists were always searching for the quote unquote eighth metal and the eighth metal would be would have whatever magical attributes that you know the alchemist at the time was trying to convince people were real right and so like this right. these metals would have would be super easy to manipulate but harder than you know harder than iron and more beautiful than gold and more whatever than whatever and have whatever kind of magical properties that they wanted right okay. so yeah. eighth metal is this kind of like fictional thing that alchemists were searching for Mm -hmm. Gardner Fox, of course, will have none of this sitting around just waiting for eighth metal. He's already invented eighth metal in his head, and he charges straight on into ninth. Right. Right. And so ninth metal becomes the magical metal that Egypt ancient Egyptians apparently knew of and that has anti-gravity powers. Right. Right. And that's like that's where he gets the name from it. It's it's he literally skips over eight and goes straight to nine, the same way spinal tap is like this one goes to eleven. Right. This is just, you know, I've just decided to turn up the number one higher. And so now we have ninth metal and ninth metal in the, you know, Hawkman uh, uh, mythos, basically, is the metal that allows you to control and manipulate gravity. Okay. Which yeah. means it's kind of like Caverite in the H.G. Wells story, right? H.G. Wells wrote a famous uh, uh, science fiction novel in which Caverite is the metal that you use to overcome gravity and fly to the moon. Right, it's like the grav the the metal that like resists gravity just by existing. Right, so it's kind of a reference to caverite. It's kind of a reference to ancient alchemical foolishness, and it's all just kind of like mixed up in Gardner Fox's head, and he puts it into the story, and boom, ninth metal exists. Uh, eventually, DC will uh, change that from ninth metal to just nth metal. Right. And that's the way it will be kind of like referred to because most people don't understand. They, they want to know what the other eight, eight were if you go around referring to something as a ninth medal. And DC doesn't have a good answer for that. So, <laughs> Right. They didn't want to uh, come up with eight other medals. Yeah, right. Well, until the whole, you know, like DC dark metal series came along, it wasn't something they particularly right. cared about. Absolutely. So anyway, now he's Hawkman, right? Now he's got a costume. He's got wings. He can fly with his anti-gravity belt. The wings don't actually let him fly. They just let him maneuver, right? It's the belt that makes him fly. The wings let him steer, you know? But uh, he's, you know, full of this, uh, uh, all of this information in his head from his, uh, from his reincarnation. He sets off to solve the subway accident. Uh, and tracks down the bad guy who is a mad scientist, Dr. Haster. And Dr. Haster, conveniently enough, turns out to be the reincarnation of the evil Hathset from ancient Egypt. So they have both woken up kind of in this era in new bodies and everything, but they're continuing their ancient battle, right? right. So Hastor gets away in their first fight, and Hawkman is still chasing him, and Haster captures Shera with his strange hypnosis powers, quote unquote, strange hypnosis, so that he can sacrifice her again to get even more power for whatever purpose. And Hawkman finally catches up with him, shoots him with a crossbow from Carter's collection of ancient weapons that he just happened to have because he was an archaeologist. Okay. Uh, and that sets that causes the dynamo that he's using to power his big electricity device to explode and the villain to apparently die. 
boom, that's the end of story number one, right? Okay. Um, it's pretty good. It's a pretty rocking story. It, it cracks along at a pretty good pace. It doesn't make a great deal of sense, but you can see, <laughs> you know, this is a solid number two feature, especially in the same comic that also introduced the Flash, right? This is now we've got two pretty awesome characters just kind of, you know, like side by side in this title. So Flash Comics becomes uh, All American's biggest hit and is kind of up there. It's probably third. Uh, you know, among the kind of like the larger over DC group behind Superman and Batman, right? So it's a pretty solid uh, title. It's making it's making some money. Um, when All American and National get together to form the Justice Society, of course, uh, Hawkman is one of the representatives of the All American side. Each uh, each of the publishing companies involved contributed four characters to the Justice right. Society. And so Hawkman is one of the ones coming from the All-American uh, side. And in fact, he will be the only superhero, the only member of the Justice Society to appear in every issue of the Justice Society. He's the only oh. one of the 15 or so heroes that like total wind up in the Justice Society in the 40s. He's the only one who is there the whole time. And he becomes he the. Like, is that because he wasn't like running his own comic the whole time, or just right. out of, that, like, that's part of it? Yeah, part yeah. of it was that he conveniently they didn't they he they they didn't have him. I mean, both Flash and Green Lantern left the Justice Society when they got their own solo comics, right. and Hawkman never got a solo comic. So that's one reason. The other reason is he fits in pretty well in a group, right? Mm -hmm. He's not too powerful. He doesn't overwhelm like the other, you know, characters in it. He, uh, you know, he, he's, he's interesting. Visually, he's fabulous to look at. And he was just very popular with uh, Gardner Fox himself, loved him. And Gardner Fox, honestly, wrote most of the Justice Society stories. So he was kind of, you know, like had, had the advantage of like the fact that the, the writer was a big fan of him, you know? Right. Um, but it is true that, you know, he was, a he was definitely like, a uh, had some weight as a, as a DC character. Julie Schwartz said at one point, uh, the great thing that he liked about Hawkman, uh, especially the original golden age Hawkman was you couldn't draw a small picture of him, right? He's such a big mm -hmm. character physically that if you put him in a group scene or anything, he's, he's got to be the physically the largest guy taking up the most space. And, you know, the wings have, he's got the enormous wingspan and that sort of thing. But even if you try to do like a long distance shot, uh, you know, showing uh, characters at a long distance in a panel, Hawkman's still going to be huge compared to everybody else, right? The so he catches your eye. Wild. Yeah, he draws your eye to him of just like, wow, what a really great design of a character that he's, you know, that he's, he's so big and menacing looking, you know, even though power wise, he's not one of the most powerful members of the team. Basically, he can, you know, fly and hit you with things, but visually, he's got, like, a lot going on for him. So, uh, he continues. Flash Comics runs, uh, you know, like, uh, pretty much through the, through the war. Uh, it'll last for uh, almost uh, about 10 years, just short. During that time, Shara... Uh, his his wife, his girlfriend uh, at first, eventually his wife, uh, becomes the first costumed superheroine, right? In oh. All-Star number five, 
which came out in June, uh, June, July, the summer issue of 1941. Um, Hawkman gives her a costume as part of a plan to catch a bad guy, right? Like it's not, you know, it's not intended at the time she's going to be there for the long term. Um, But he needs for some reason to have a second character with wings as part of a scheme to catch a bad guy. And she's got to be out there in the sky so that people can think that it's him instead of her. It's all, you know, like a, you know, it, it's all part of a plan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to fight some mobsters. So she doesn't do that much in it, but she does in fact actually put on the full costume and go out and help her husband fight crime. And that happens two months before Wonder Woman hits the scene, right? So oh, wow. technically she's the first female superhero, though she didn't stick with it, right? Because she doesn't right. regularly, she doesn't do it again for like six more months during which time Wonder Woman and a couple of other characters also make their first appearances. So like her second appearance isn't until six months later because that first one was so popular, right? Everybody liked the idea of them being a team of them being this, you know, like pair of winged characters or whatever, uh, that the fans were all in favor of this. And that particular issue of all-star sold really well. So uh, starting in flash number 24, which came out in December of 41, uh, she puts on the costume a second time. And from that point on, now she's his most of the time sidekick. She appears in most of his stories after that. Um, so during the run of Flash, Flash Comics runs until February of 1949. It goes 104 issues, which is, once again, a lot for the Golden Age. Um, and even though the comic is named for Flash, not for him, the two of them definitely share top billing. And in fact, pretty close to every other month, they trade off who gets a cover, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Hawkman is usually like on every other cover. It doesn't work out quite that way, but it's, it's pretty close. Uh, he doesn't have that many interesting bad guys until after the war, during the wartime years, mostly he fights mad scientists, he meets weird alien races, he fights cults that are trying to raise horrible monsters, that kind of thing. He doesn't get uh, a recurring bad guy. He doesn't get much in the way of kind of like a rogues gallery of people that are Hawkman bad guys. Um, in 1946, he meets an entire new race of bird people in Antarctica, uh, who, which is the city of Faithera, um, who will become important in DC in the 1980s, right? Like the, those characters in particular will get back, brought back by Roy Thomas as part of Infinity Inc. And there will be a whole bunch of stories about Faithera because that's where uh, Northwind comes from. Um, but Beyond that, you don't see it's it's not until 1945 that you get any characters, any villains or supporting characters besides just Carter and Shiera who repeat at all, who appear a second time. Even the first time he gets a bad guy that actually uh, will appear more than once is the Monocle in 1945, who is basically a goofball kind of mad scientist, gadgety bad guy who all of his uh, shticks are, you know, that he, his powers all come from the various trick monocles that he wears, right? Like he's got, you know, like one eye uh, monocles that like some of them shoot laser blasts and some of them have x-ray vision and some of them have whatever, some of them can hypnotize you if he looks at you through them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he's popular enough that he comes back a few times. And then in 1947, he gets kind of the most famous of his, uh, recurring characters as a bad guy, which is the Gentleman Ghost, okay. uh, who's kind of more famous these days as a Batman villain, but he actually started out as a Hawkman villain. 
And in 1947, the gentleman ghost is not in fact actually a ghost, right? Like by modern DC readers know him uh, as a character who is definitely 100% a ghost. But in the late forties, his shtick is he's kind of like Mysterio, right? Like he does like illusions and stage magic and that sort of thing to make people think he's a ghost. Right. And so most of the early gentleman ghost stories have Hawkman kind of figuring out how the gentleman ghost pulled off some impossible crime that you would think he could only do if he could like walk through walls or turn invisible and stuff like that. And then Hawkman figures out, well, no, in fact, he used thus and so trick and he had a smoke bomb and he had this and he had that. And, you know, that's how he robbed the bank. And it will always turn out that it's in fact not real. It's like a it's like a continually repeating Scooby-Doo adventure of, you know, he's not really a monster. We unmask him at the end and it turns out, oh, it's the gentleman ghost. That's probably why that's probably why I think why why people think of him as such a Batman villain, because that seems like so much more of a Batman story. Right. Like him, 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 like detective working out that this isn't real. Right. Than a, uh, than a Hawkman story. When I think of a Hawkman story, I think of probably because of the later stuff, the sci-fi stuff, where he's just flying around hitting stuff with a mace. Yeah, in the '40s, he definitely is a Batman-style character, right? Because he doesn't have crazy powers. He's mostly right. fighting ordinary, you know, ordinary criminals and solving crimes. And he's portrayed as a pretty smart guy, right? Like, I mean, he's okay. he's action archaeologist, right? Like, so he's already, right. you know, he clearly has a couple of degrees and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, by 1946-47, Shelley Moldoff has left from the art, and the guy who comes in is Joe Kubert. Uh, and Joe Kubert is one of DC's kind of like great wartime. Uh, artists. He did, he created, uh, co-created Sergeant Rock and, you know, Our Army at War and all of those uh, great like war series. And he, he takes over uh, as the artist on Hawkman and he really hates drawing the version of the costume that Moldoff and Neville have created up until that point. It's a pain in the ass for him to try to draw mm-hmm. the Hawkman helmet fast right? And Joe Kubert survives at DC by being a, one of the fastest artists around there for it. So very quickly, he way simplifies the helmet, right? And mm-hmm. it becomes, there's a lot less detail to it. And by, you know, uh, the, the the late 40s, by like 47, 48, he's completely cut it down to just, he's wearing a yellow cowl, right? Like screw all of these mm-hmm. feathers and, uh, you know, the beak and everything else, they're all gone. And he is just wearing like a wrestler's mask that's just bright yellow because it's just too much bother for Kubert to draw. So uh, that's, which is, you know, it's sad, but it's in fact how it actually works. Um, So his last appearance, the last JSA story for it is All-Star 57. Um, Actually, Flash gets canceled first. Flash Comics gets canceled in 1950. And in 1951, All-Star gets canceled as well. The last JSA story is in the, uh, the February, March 1951 issue. And along with the rest of the Justice Society and all of the other characters who were not the big guns at DC, basically, as we we said in other series, it's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superboy, right? And Mm -hmm. then there's a couple of backups to Superboy. Hawkman doesn't make that cut, right? Like, he's just gone. That Nothing of his gets published between 1951 and the early 60s. So it's about a decade of no Hawkman at that point. Um. And so we jump ahead a decade. Gardner Fox is still working at uh, DC and has been there pretty much continuously since, you know, the, since the war started. And by that time, DC has had a fair amount of success 
by bringing back their golden age characters and doing like this modernization and updating of them. That's kind of how the Silver Age of comics starts with DC recreating first the Flash, but the Barry Allen Flash, not the Jay Garrick Flash. And then immediately following that up with Green Lantern, but not the Alan Scott Green Lantern. It's the Hal Jordan Green Lantern, right? Um, More information on that. Go check out our DC history. Our history of DC, exactly, right. So... So by the time Hawk, they're considering Hawkman, they've done three of these already, and they've all been pretty successful. They've done Flash, they've done Green Lantern, they've done the Atom, who they you know recreate instead of just being this kind of short, tough guy. He now actually can shrink like Dollman, right? And he can become you know like microscopically sized and stuff, which is a cool new addition to the Atom idea. So okay, we've we've done this at this point, and we are uh, trying to figure out. Who's next? Which of our Golden Age characters are we going to bring back and we're going to modernize and we're going to turn into something that's appropriate for this line? And obviously, if you look back at those first three examples of the successes, one of the ways they did that was by making them way more science fiction, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's what was popular in comics, in pop culture at the time, right? The Flash became a scientist and all of his powers and stunts and everything were all explained with scientific gibberish. Green Lantern went from a guy with a magic ring to a guy who had to, you know, like the, the ring is given to him as a weapon to be part of like a intergalactic space cop organization, basically, right? All of it's all become much more science fiction. So uh, Julie Schwartz and Gardner Fox and a few other people sit around and they come up with a plan to redo Hawkman and uh, they're going to basically chuck out everything that we know about the original Hawkman. All of the Egypt stuff will be gone. All of the reincarnation stuff will be gone. We're not going to do any of that stuff. Uh, he is now an alien. He now comes from a planet called Thanagar and Thanagar has a uh, you know, advanced in theory for a while, they had basically like had eliminated crime on their planet because they were such an advanced, uh, an advanced society, right? And then they have a criminal who comes back and uh, whose name is Bith, B-Y-T-H. And Bith commits a bunch of crimes and basically robs the planet blind because they are completely out of practice for dealing with criminals. They don't have a police force or anything. Um, and so the, to, to address this, the Thanagarians basically uh, create a police force of their own and equip them all with magical flying belts and wings and that sort of thing. And those will become the super cops of Thanagar. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in the very first story of the modern Hawkman, uh, Bith escapes Thanagar and comes to Earth. And Katar Hall instead of Carter Hall, Katar, K-A-T-A-R, the new alien uh, you know, name for the character, comes to Earth in pursuit of him and catches him and brings him back to Thanagar. But he's so impressed with like law enforcement on Earth like he meets some cops and sees what they have and like that they have detectives and they have all of this, you know, stuff about catching criminals. And he's like, Thanagar mm-hmm. needs that. We need to study this. We need to understand how Earth is so good about catching bad guys. Right. Uh, so at the end of his first story, he takes Bith back to Thanagar and then goes to Thanagarian officials and says, by the way, I'm going back to Earth and I'm going to study uh, are like the crime fighting methods and techniques of humans because they're really wicked good at it. And my wife is going to come with me, my wife, Shayara, 
and uh, we're just going to move to Earth for a while, and we'll write a bunch of reports on how awesome Earth is at catching bad guys, and Thanagar can learn from Earth how to do this. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Katar Hall and Shara Hall, his wife, move to Earth, starting in the second story of, of Hawkman. All of this is being done in uh, Brave and the Bold, actually, is the title that's running these for it. So it's issues 34 through 36 of Brave and the Bold in... Mm-hmm. Uh, starting in February and running to the summer of 1961. And uh, he comes back to Earth uh, and he adopts an identity. He meets the the police commissioner of Midway City and the police commissioner helps him set up a secret identity because you can't be a superhero without having a secret identity because uh, it's 1961 and that just is the rules. Uh, so he creates a secret identity of Carter Hall, museum curator. So that gets in a lot of the shtick of the original character, right? Is now he has a museum full of ancient weapons and that sort of thing that he can always kind of like grab one because museum curators are well known for just going into their collections and grabbing shit off the walls and using it to fight crime, right? It's just, oh yes, here's this ax from ancient, you know, England or something. I'm just going to take this off the wall and go chase bank robbers with it. Like Uh, Like you do, right. And so that's the premise of the character, right? And he, like I said, he gets three stories in Brave and the Bold. And they don't really sell that well. Um, unlike Flash and Green Lantern, which are smash hits out the door, uh, Hawkman's sales in uh, Brave and the Bold don't really kind of qualify for a series of his own. He appears in a few other titles uh, over the next couple of years. He appears in Journey into Space as a, uh, as a backup uh, to uh, no, I'm sorry. He appears in Strange Adventures as a backup to Adam Strange uh, for a bit, um, and there's a couple more things he gets. A couple more Brave and the Bold stories, etc. Finally, by 1964, uh, he has uh, they, they've they've built him up enough that they decide to give him a solo series, mm-hmm. and that runs for a couple of years. Uh, in 1966, uh, no, I'm sorry, in 1967, that series and Adam's own series, which neither of which have been selling that well, get merged into one title. And it becomes mm-hmm. Adam slash Hawkman Adventures, right? And that that now has like half of every issue is dedicated to a Hawkman story and an Adam story. Um, and then finally, in the summer of 1968, uh, Adam slash Hawkman, that didn't work. Right, that that didn't raise the sales. There weren't enough uh, fans of those two guys between them to keep the title going. So that series gets canceled. Um, mm-hmm. During that four-year run or so, we, that's kind of where we learn everything that we learn about Thanagar. Uh, Gardner Fox remains pretty much the main uh, writer on it, and Joe Kubert remains pretty much the the, the main artist uh, on it because they brought him in very early once they recreated the new guy. So during that time, we meet Biff. We meet Hyathis, who will go on to be uh, tremendously important in the, the series later. We meet some uh, human bad guys. Uh, the Shadow Thief is one is first appears as a Hawkman bad guy there. Matter Master first appears as a Hawkman bad guy. Um, in the late 60s, he even gets an evil spy organization as an attempt to kind of like create recreate Hawkman in sort of a James Bond with wings kind of shtick for it, like, you know, Man From U.N.C.L.E. or something like that. He gets a, he gets a criminal organization uh, called CAW, C-A-W, which is the Criminal Alliance of the World. That and they're just a bad of 
it's it's very bad. It's a, it's a bad pun. It's a bad idea. It's a bad set yeah. of stories. There's a reason all of these guys get canceled, right? This just yep. didn't work as a character. But by that time, he is now uh, appeared in the Justice League. Now, the way that worked is uh, you have to remember back going back to uh, during the time between sixty one and sixty four when Hawkman couldn't hold his own series before they gave him a solo series during that time, that's when uh, the flash introduced the idea of earth two and brought back all the golden age characters, right? In flash number one twenty three in September of 1961, Jay Garrick appears as a guest star. Flash accidentally teleports himself to earth two and teams up with the golden age flash who Barry Allen knows all about because he's read Flash comics, right? Like characters who live on Earth 2 are comic book characters on Earth 1. So he mm -hmm. knows who Jay Garrick is because he used to read Flash comics as a kid. Uh, and the two of them team up and fight some bad guys, et cetera, et cetera. And it's an incredibly popular story and it gets referred back to a million times. And it basically creates the idea of the two parallel Earths in a DC universe. Uh, and so in the second uh, appearance of Jay Garrick, which is Flash 129, which is six months later, or six issues later, um, Jay Garrick says, well, yeah, I used to be part of this team called the Justice Society, and there's one panel that shows all the rest of the dudes in the Justice Society, right? And so that's, that's where uh, Golden Age Hawkman comes back for the first time. Right, he appears in that uh, in, in that issue, in, issue as a panel, and then appears in Justice League uh, twenty one, starting in nineteen sixty three. The entire Justice League teams up with the Justice Society on Earth two, and that their Hawkman is already a member of the team. Right, like our Hawkman is not a member of the Justice League yet at this point. He's still this kind of like secondary character. Right. So it's the Golden Age Hawkman who appears in Justice League before the modern one does. <laughs> right. He appears, you know, like along with his entire team. Right. Mm -hmm. So it takes until 1965 or so for Hawkman himself to actually join the Justice League. Right. Green Arrow joins. Adam joins. Hawkman is actually the third guy, not one of the original team to join. Um, and they make a reference at that point. Right. Like Shara still has a costume. She's still occasionally kicking around in Hawkman's solo appearances as Hawkgirl. But the Justice League makes a point of saying, it's like, well, sorry, you have the same powers as your husband. And that <laughs> violates our laws for membership. You can't have people with exactly the same powers on the team. <laughs> okay, sure. But that's the reason Hawkgirl is not invited at the time to actually join the, the Justice League, even though her husband is. And, you know, I can't even attempt to explain or defend the, you know, ridiculous sexism in comics of 1965. But that's just how it was. <laughs> So Hawkman now, he, like his regular series has kind of crapped out. He, they've tried they've, all these things. He's appearing pretty regularly in the Justice League. That's pretty much the only place that we see him. And that lasts until the mid-70s. In the mid-70s, uh, we get a set of stories um, that I think are mostly done by Steve Englehart that are the first time anybody kind of re-engages with the Hawkman idea, right? At this point, Hawkman in the Justice League is basically just a crappier version of Aquaman, right? He's the Aquaman who doesn't swim, he flies. And he talks to birds. That's the primary power that he has, right? So anytime there's a situation where Hawkman can just kind of like whistle for a bird to solve a problem, it's exactly like Aquaman calling a fish to solve a problem, right? That's literally the only way they use this character. 
He's completely become this forgotten 12 people in the Justice League at this point, and Hawkman is always kind of like shoved to the background. And so Steve Englehart tries to write some stories that like use Hawkman his background as a character, right? The he they create the Justice League satellite, the satellite headquarters. Well, who built that? Well, it turns out Hawkman did because Hawkman um, suddenly, amazingly, knows all of this Thanagarian technology that we've never heard referred to in the previous twelve years, right? Suddenly, now he's a super scientist who can just build a satellite headquarters in his garage, basically, <laughs> right? And you know, okay. yeah, he's got Superman and Green Lantern and the Flash to do the construction, but it all came out of Hawkman's head. Right. Suddenly he's a completely different guy. Now he's like, you know, Hawkman, the super alien scientist. Right. And so at this point, we're, we're starting to kind of mesh the two together. Right. We're meshing. The- well, the, not, I mean, they've still kind of forgotten the whole e- Egyptian archaeology thing. That's all. That's all still gone. Oh, okay. But the point is, he's gone from just a guy who flies around and talks to birds. Now he's alien super genius inventor guy. Right. Who flies around and talks to birds. Right. That's at least giving him more to do in the stories. Because the, the, the Justice League doesn't really have, I mean, the only, really, the only real scientist on the Justice League at that point is the Atom, right? right? He's the only guy who's like an actual like physicist or whatever in his secret identity. Yeah, yeah, Flash does forensics and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Batman knows everything. But still, the, the guy working in the lab is mostly the Atom. And the Atom doesn't have anybody to talk to in the lab. So now, now Hawkman's a scientist. So now Adam and Hawkman kind of are buddies again, right? They, they've kind of like set this up. Okay. During this time, they also have a, a set of adventures in 1974 where Hawkman gets recalled back to Thanagar, right? Like his mission is done. We completely forgot that he had a mission. His mission was to study, uh, you know, crime fighting on Earth. You know, like, wasn't that, you know, doesn't that job ever end, right? Is he just going to stay here forever studying? Or, like, is he ever going to go back and say, okay, I've figured it out? Uh, so finally, he does the story where he goes back to Thanagar to present his findings and to basically like create a police force working the way, you know, earth police forces do on Thanagar. And he's gone for a little while. He doesn't appear in, you know, maybe seven or eight issues of justice league for that. And when he comes back, there is now a crisis on Thanagar that like the justice league needs to help him with. There's a plague and the plague it's called the equalizer plague. And it makes everybody average. That's like the, the premise of the plague, right? Okay. All of the like smart people, like their IQs are reduced down to the average, and all of the really stupid people are smartened up to the average. So everybody has like a 100 IQ. Okay. And people who have powers or anything else that's like unusual, they like lose the vast majority of their powers, but everybody in their immediate area gets a small amount of their powers, right? Like everything is everything is made average among over a group. Right. It's kind of a cool idea. It makes no sense, but sure. Why not? And this leads to this whole set of stories in which uh, the Thanagarians basically turn to Hyathis, who had been a bad guy in the old Hawkman series and make her, she gets kind of like a, a face turn and winds up becoming the queen of Thanagar. She like takes over during this crisis, right. Uh, for all of this. And, uh, during that time, uh, at, at the end of that entire story, Hyathis, even though she's kind of done a face turn, still hates Hawkman for all of the times that they fought in the past. And so Hawkman and Shiera are formally banished back to Earth by the Thanagarians uh, because Hyathis said so, basically. Okay. So now, they, now they're not allowed to come back. Now that all of that stuff is 
is done, right? That that premise for why Hawkman and and Hawkgirl are on Earth is gone, uh, and instead now they're stuck here because they have no place else to go. And during that series, there's a whole, so a whole set of the the showcase stories. Showcase does a comic run in which starring both Hawkman and Adam Strange, where the planets Thanagar and Ron go to war with each other right. as part of Hyathis becoming the queen uh, of Thanagar. And during that stretch, uh, you know, that kind of like establishes the relationship between those characters and between those planets. And that's obviously going to come back over and over again over the next 40 years in, in DC. But also during that stretch, the Justice it's now the late 70s and the Justice League kind of really can't accept the answer of like, you know, why isn't Hawkgirl part of the team? Oh, sexism, right? So, you know, <laughs> 1978, they finally admit, you know what? Hawkgirl belongs on this team too. And she formally right. becomes an actual member of the team. Yep. During this stretch also in the middle of this is the stories in which Mattermaster, during the time Hawkman is pooping around off in space, uh, one of his villains comes back and uh, is attempting to find Hawkman to, to punish him, right? Like to, to get his revenge mm -hmm. on him and instead winds up fighting this kid named Charlie Parker. And Charlie Parker uh, basically has like accidentally f lucked into one of Hawkman's costumes and gets uh, basically taken by Mattermaster as like that's the real Hawkman. And the Justice League has to get involved to save this poor kid who doesn't really understand what's going on and is trying to, you know, like uh, fight this villain on his own. And Charlie Parker becomes Golden Eagle. Right, like he, the the end of the story is Hawkman is still off in space, but there is at least a now a guy with wings protecting Midway City still. And that's Golden Eagle, the teenage version of Hawkman. And Golden Eagle will show up in the, he'll join the Teen Titans for, you know, like two issues, basically. I mean, he's really this kind of like minor character, but he I've will- I've literally never even heard of him. Well, he'll get, more, he'll get more important once again, once we try to, once we actually hit the continuity problems of these characters, right? Okay. This is right. all still just premise for that. Gotcha. So the last couple of bits before we get to the snarl, are so now it's the late 70s into the early 80s hawkman has kind of settled back in he still doesn't have a solo series or anything but uh you know the uh the the, the character continues to be the second tier uh justice league guy right mm -hmm. it, over in uh, roy thomas comes to dc from marvel and is desperately in love of course with all of the golden age characters that's you know like where he started he is like the biggest ascended you know golden age fanboy who ever got a job in comics and he creates a new series called infinity incorporated and infinity incorporated will be set on earth 2 and it will be about the sons and daughters of the original justice League, uh, justice society right it will be you know it's set all on earth 2 and acknowledging that time has passed like all of the justice society members now have sons and daughters who are all like in their late teens, they're at college age level characters, right? Mm -hmm. And they form a new team that will kind of carry forward the name of the Justice Society and everything. Hawkman gets two kind of junior versions of himself on that team. He and, he and Shara, the Carter Hall, the Egyptian, you know, Carter Hall uh, character, uh, and his wife have had a kid and his name is Hector. And Hector, has a suit, an entire costume made out of nth metal, out of ninth metal. Ooh. So he can fly and he also shoots energy blasts. He's kind of a cheap ass version of Iron Man, right? Like he's got a, you know, magic suit of armor basically. And he calls himself the Silver Scarab, which is a, you know, cause he's got kind of an Egyptian theme to his, uh, to his stuff. And then separate from that, there's a kid named Norda 
whose his superhero name is Northwind. And he is one of the kids from the he's from the city of bird people, Faithera, that like literally has not appeared since 1945. This is Roy Thomas doing a callback basically for 40 years at that point to this character. And mm-hmm. so he is the actual kind of like Hawkman replacement on the team because even though Hawkman's son is there with his like power armor outfit, the one who actually has wings and the bird theme basically is this kid from the, you know, uh, from a society that uh, the original Hawkman and Hawkgirl saved from, you know, like a monster, you know, 40 years ago. And so he kind of has carries forward the, the Hawkman theme and there's a whole kind of you know connection between the two characters who kind of have this rivalry over which of us is really Hawkman's son, right? Yes, biologically you're his son, but I've got his shtick, right? Okay. You know, and so they kind of have a a, a thing to fight over uh, in the the early stories. Uh, but in doing that, you know, you they've restored the the Golden Age Hawkman once again has a thing to do now, right? Because now he's one of like the senior advisors of. Infinity Incorporated. They're like teaching these kids how to be superheroes and stuff. So the Golden Age one is being used. And unlike the other kind of like Golden Age, Silver Age pair-ups, the two Golden Age, the two different Hawkmen almost never interact, right? They barely, only in like the, you know, Justice League, Justice Society team-ups, are they even in the same room? There's no stories in which Katar and Carter uh, like hang out and fight crime together. They're too different. They're completely different concept characters. They don't even like work in the same story types. Like one's a scientist detective from outer space and one is a reincarnated Egyptian prince. Like they don't, you know, what what stories do you do that have both of them in it, right? Which makes them very different from say Barry Allen and Jay Garrick who team up all the time. Uh, Alan Scott teams up with the Green Lanterns, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, like all of these other characters have a connection to their history. Hawkman really doesn't at this point. Right. Well, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, like you said, they're so different. They're so different, right. And that's going to be a big chunk of the problem. So now it's 1985. Infinity Incorporated is underway. Um, and Tony Isabella gets hired to write a new Hawkman limited series. And if it sells well enough, we'll make a, we'll make a complete series out of it. We'll give him one more try because, you know, it's been a while. It's been 20 years since he had his own thing. We're looking to, you know, do some expanding here. Mm-hmm. And so in this series, it's called The Shadow War of Hawkman. And in it, we the Shadow Thief returns, and he's teamed up with a bunch of uh, uh, Thanagarian spies who are basically invading Earth, you know, or in preparation for an invasion of Earth. They're the spies who are here to kind of like set the groundwork for uh, a, a forthcoming conquering of Earth by Thanagar. And Hawkman, of course, finds out about it, but he can't prove it because the secret agents all have Shadow Thief's powers, which means they keep getting away and disappearing. And like, you know, all of their stuff is intangible. He can't touch any of it. So he can't find any evidence to prove that he's not crazy, right? That like, the, you know, that there is in fact an alien invasion that's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And so in that story, we meet a guy, the, the main bad guy in that series uh, is a guy named Fel Andar. And Fel Andar is, you know, was born on Earth to a Thanagarian spy and a human woman some 20 years before the current timeline, whenever that is. We'll talk about floating timelines in a bit. But he is, so he's half Thanagarian and half human. He gets taken back to Thanagar, raised there as a Thanagarian. Uh, but because he's half human, 
they put him back on Earth as an agent because he can pass physically as a human. Like the, all of his vital signs and everything like look like a human's. So you can't prove he's a Thanagarian, right? And so he's the spy on Earth who is overseeing all of these plans to invade Earth. And so Shao uh, sets up all of this premise and then doesn't really have much of a satisfying end because like most of the bad guys get away. Right, like Felandar and Shadow Thief both escape. Still a crapload of spies kicking around on Earth. You know, it's like it's clear there's a whole lot more story to go here. But they only do the four issues, and then are kind of like waiting for what the response is. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, you guys like this? Write in and say we want more Hawkman, etc. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately for them, that runs headlong into the Crisis on Inf of Infinite Earths. Mm -hmm. Right, like two months after Shadow War ends, Crisis starts, and this is not the episode to go into the full explanation of the crisis, but basically it is DC's effort to kind of combine all of their parallel Earths, all of their weird history into one planet, one story, and kill off a bunch of characters and create a bunch of new ones and just kind of like make the entire backstory that we've been building for the last 20 whatever years make some sort of logical sense. And so the Golden Age versions of the main superheroes, right? Like the DC's biggest guns basically cease to exist at the end of Crisis. There's no longer a Golden Age Superman, right. Golden Age Batman. Well, he was already dead, but Golden Age Robin, he's gone. Nobody, you know, not only is he gone, nobody remembers him, right? Some characters die in Crisis and they get remembered for dying. Everybody remembers Barry Allen, even though he died, mm -hmm. right? But nobody remembers Supergirl because she never existed. Right. And there's a difference between those, right? So Golden Age Superman, Golden Age Batman, Golden Age Robin, Golden Age Wonder Woman, Golden Age Aquaman, Golden Age Green Arrow, et cetera, all of those guys, they now have been removed from continuity. Nobody mourns them for being dead because they just never were born in the first place. For some reason, and it's unclear, you know, exactly whose fault this is for it, Hawkman, they didn't quite do it that way, right? Because uh, looking at these characters, uh, for Marv Wolfman and George Perez into it, we're like, you know what? Of the two of them, honestly, Golden Age Hawkman is cooler and more interesting than or, than Space Alien Hawkman. Right. Right. We we think that's a cooler idea. That nobody's done enough with that. We think that's a character that could like actually go forward. So instead of the Golden Age version of Hawkman being eliminated, like Superman, Batman, etc., or being relegated back to the 40s and being just like the first guy in a series like Jay Garrick or Alan Scott. Instead, they keep the Golden Age Hawkman and they eliminate the Thanagarian one. Mm -hmm. He now never existed, right? They just wipe him out of continuity hmm. because they want to keep the Golden Age one. They think the Golden Age one is cool, right? So they have plans apparently at this point to bring back a new Hawkman or something for this, but they've, they've eliminated the one that we've known for the last 20, whatever years. Now this is obviously kind of a minor detail in crisis, right? It's not like crisis is about Hawkman. He barely appears in it, but right. in it, we see that, you know, like the modern uh, Hawkman is gone the same way the modern wonder woman is gone, right? Like they're going to reboot wonder woman from this. Right. And so, you know, they have eliminated, not just in, in Wonder Woman's case, they eliminated both of them, right? The Golden Age and Silver Age versions just never existed. Because we knew at the time, George Perez was going to start a new Wonder Woman series. Hawkman, they didn't really have their plans quite as nailed down at this point. So they kind of left him in limbo, right? Uh, as far as what's going on. In 
1986, the Just Society team gets you know, like hand waved away from. They're, they're not taken out of continuity. They're just kind of removed from the board. Roy Thomas does a story that's been mandated by DC management that I kind of think it's ridiculous that they still have all these 70 year old plus characters running around. Mm-hmm. So Roy Thomas has been given direction by DC to get rid of clear the decks. All these old characters kicking around here for us. All these old guys, Jay Garrick, Alan Scott, and everything. They get it's getting kind of embarrassing. They shouldn't be putting on spandex. They're old, right? Let's let's get let's get these guys out of hand. And so he does a story in which the entire Justice Society, it's called The Last Days of the Justice Society. Mm-hmm. And the entire Justice Society has to save the world by basically traveling to Ragnarok, traveling to the DC version of Asgard, okay. getting into this unending immortal battle against all of kind of like the as as part of ragnarok right they're like literally fighting the midgard serpent and fenris and all of this other stuff you know and they'll be doing it forever right like when one of one of them dies in the battle they're immediately resurrected and go on to fight again and it's this wicked sad story it's really you know kind of like a terrible fate for these like beloved characters but at least it kind of like removes all the old characters out of the way and it does establish which of the old justice society characters they're going to let go forward because the ones who escape that fate are like dr fate and power girl and a couple of other characters that they clearly plan to keep using that they're like you know they've got uses for in the in the the 80s right Mm -hmm. so golden age hawkman is part of that team Right, he's mm-hmm. there, so he gets. He's one of the people who is sent off to Ragnarok to fight, you know, uh, this battle forever. And so he's he's gone now. There's no Hawkman, right? right. There's there, there's no Hawkman uh, on uh, on Earth officially, except of course nobody told Tony Isabella and his editors that that was the case. <laughs> Right. So in 1986, they're like, "Well, geez, Shadow War of Hawkman actually sold pretty well. We should do a sequel to that." <laughs> yeah, but you you eliminated Silver Age Hawkman. Oh yeah, no, 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 we didn't. No, we didn't. No, you really did. It's right here, and it's 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 in this panel. No, just ignore that panel. Just keep going. <laughs> And they do. That's the worst part of it, right? Like as awful as that sounds from like an editorial purpose, they're just like, oh, well, okay. So now we have post-crisis, we have a new second series that lasts for, I think, 16 issues, a regular new monthly series that just picks up from where Shadow War ended. No reference to the crisis whatsoever. There's sneaky Thanagarians. The aliens have now replaced like the mayor of Midway City. All kind of stuff is going on. And about like nine or 10 issues into it, like fans are writing in saying like, um, when does this take place? What is the, you know, is this like before the crisis? All these things have like changed and you know, who is this, what's going on? And about issue like nine or 10, Tony Isabella is finally like sick of dealing with DC and getting like mixed answers from DC management about what he is and is not allowed to do with Hawkman. He just quits the series. Oh, wow. So like nine issues in, I think, I think nine and 10 are done from an Isabella plot, but he didn't write the scripts. Somebody else came in to do the dialogue, like just kind of like wrapping up the Shadow War stories in a really completely dis- unsatisfying way. And then it goes on for about six more issues with Dan Mishkin doing the writing. Mm-hmm. This has since been retconned out of existence by DC. DC finally came back a couple of years later and said, you know what? That's on us. We screwed up. Sorry. That entire set of stories took place on Earth 85, completely different parallel Earth. I know we said in Crisis that we got rid of doing parallel Earth, but in fact, we didn't. And so there was a parallel Earth in which all of the Shadow War of Hawkman takes place on. It's completely unrelated to continuity. Okay. 
way to just you know uh, create all new problems. Right. Exactly. So now, what? Now, now we're in 1987, and we've got no particular idea. There, there is no Hawkman. Right. Like we've killed off both of them apparently by accident. We don't know what to do. So Tim Truman comes along and says, "I would like to do a Hawkman short a limited series." Mm-hmm. And it's going to be set back in the very earliest days of the character. It won't have anything to do with whatever your plans are going forward. When you figure out what you're doing with Hawkman, let us know. But this will be set in the early days of Hawkman, and it will take place back on Thanagar. Well, we haven't agreed that that's where the new Hawkman is coming from, but okay, sure. You know, DC once again kind of says, hey, Tim Truman wants to work for us, and this is his idea. Okay. So I guess our new Hawkman will probably wind up being the one, the alien one, because Tim Truman really wants to do a story set on Thanagar. He doesn't want to just like have it gone from continuity. And so Tim Truman does Hawkworld, and this comes out in 1989. It's supposed to be the story, it's like a it's like a Batman year one, right? It's supposed to go back to the very earliest days of the character when he's still on Thanagar before he's ever come to Earth. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be about the character who has had 20 odd years of history in DC at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So in that story, we learn, we meet the, you know, the, the wing policeman on Thanagar. Thanagar now has a bunch of different kind of alien races. And the ones who can fly or the ones who have like the technology or whatever live in the upper reaches of this planet. And then down in the, you know, at the surface level and below are like where all the scum of the planet live, right? It's where all the crime is. It's kind of this judge dread, almost kind of like setup, mm-hmm. right? And Katar Hall is one of the cops from the high side, basically assigned to, you know, deal with all of the criminal scum down on earth with our wingsuits and our guns and our, you know, like everything else. And he discovers a plot within the, you know, like a crooked plot within the, the, the police force and that they're actually secretly corrupt and et cetera, et cetera. This whole like fabulous grand story goes on for several issues. It's gorgeous. It's drawn by Tim Truman. It's tremendous fun really cool stories. At the end of it, Hawkman has now left the police force uh, along with Shaera, uh, and we can't wait to find out what happens next, right? Like he's turned his back on the corrupt police and he's stopped this horrible thing. And we know this is the guy who is now gonna come to earth, right? right. Except that it's so popular and does such like a big, a big thing for us. DC says, well, that's gonna be the basis of the new guy going forward. We're going to start a new series. Hawkworld uh, uh, didn't take place in the past. Hawkworld's taking place today. Oh, man. And even though you didn't plan it that way, that we have officially declared that as DC, and that will be the basis for a new series, right? Okay. Okay. Still don't have a writer for that new series or anything. We don't have anything going on. But by now, it's 1989. We're a couple of years past the, the big summer event that is coming out this year to, you know, we did Crisis and we did Legends, et cetera. The big summer event is Invasion. All of these aliens are teaming up together to invade the Earth and all the heroes on Earth have to team up to fight them. And among those aliens who are invading the Earth are the Thanagarians. And they look just like Tim Truman just drew them. Right, and it's all definitely from Tim Truman's Hawkworld continuity that these characters, that these Hawk people come from. Except we never had a Hawkman come to Earth from that time, right? From that version of Thanagar. But you've just established that those Thanagarians are the mainstream current continuity Thanagarians, of which we have never had a representative here mm-hmm. on Earth, right? Kator Hall hasn't come to Earth yet in this new storyline. Who are the Thanagarians? Why do we even care who they are? So now they suddenly realize, holy crap, 
we have now just created like, you know, this entire history. I mean, the Justice League still exists post-crisis, right? Mm -hmm. There was a Hawkman on that team <laughs> and a Hawk Girl on that team. We know they were there. They were there from, for a bunch of stories. Who was that? Which Hawkman was that? <laughs> and DC kind of, you know, like not really understanding what the heck is going on for us. They can't like figure this out. Meanwhile, Hawkworld starts a new series in 1990. And it tells the story of Katar and Shaira coming to Earth. And fans are going like, D we already did this. You know, <laughs> like they're, all, they're, they're on Earth. So who, right. who was the Hawkman in that story? So DC steps in and says, okay, here's the deal. For as John Ostrander takes over as the writer, Tim Truman only lasts on Hawkworld for a little while because he goes way too slow to make DC happy with a monthly series. So John Ostrander takes over as a scripting and he says, all right, I got this straightened out. Here's the deal. So the Hawkman and Hawkgirl from the Justice Society from the 40s, because they're aliens, they just lived a really long time, right? And so when the Justice Society, when the Justice Society retired, they didn't need to retire because they're aliens. They're still going strong. They're still early middle age, right? They're fine. Uh, and so when the Justice League finally gets formed some number of years ago, they're still around and active. So they become the golden age versions the egyptian you know resurrected versions of them basically were the hawkman and hawk girl of all of those justice league stories before just retconning that that was the case okay furthermore there was the post christ I'm, so, I'm, I'm a little lost the right. J, so the J, they're now saying that the jsa one was the alien one no no no, they're saying that the, the JSA one, who was the Egyptian one, replaced the alien one in all of the, the Justice League stories that took place before the crisis. Okay. You just thought he was an alien, but he wasn't. He was actually the Egyptian one. Okay. So they've, they've kind of... So they've, exp they've explained, they've replaced that guy. Because at the same time, they had to replace yeah. Wonder Woman too, right? They, they were the ones who said, you know what? Wonder Woman was never part of the Justice League because we've just rebooted Wonder Woman. Right. So all of those stories, the early Justice League stories where Wonder Woman is running around doing stuff, that was actually Black Canary. We just screwed up. Sorry. <laughs> just go back and replace her with Black Canary in all of those stories. Right. Okay. So all of those stories that had space alien Hawkman running around in them, whoops, sorry, retcon, those are now the Egyptian resurrected Hawks. Okay. Fine. That's okay. We've accepted that. It's weird. It creates a bunch of problems on its own, but it kind of solves the problem. Except that it's 1990 now. Between 1985 and 1990, we have had Justice League International come out. And that had a Hawkman in it, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, he was a member of the team in that stretch, right? He was on Wonder Woman's team and stuff for this. Who was that Hawkman? Because you killed off the Golden Age one, like right after the crisis. You sent him off to Ragnarok, right? Like he, we know he's dead. So who's the guy wearing the Hawkman costume between 1985 and 1990? Well, Okay, now I've got a new solution for this. Uh, turns out, Fel Andar, that Thang Thanagarian spy mm -hmm. that was sent to Earth as part of the Shadow War, which didn't happen on this Earth, but now apparently it did again, uh, is in fact, uh, during the time that he was a spy, decided to become the new Hawkman, pretend that he was Egyptian guy's son, went around telling people he was Carter Hall Jr., and was secretly a bad guy, pretending to be a good guy mm -hmm. for that entire run of the Justice League International. As we have now moved 
fully into the like same part. Right, exactly. That. You can see the knots <laughs> tightening, right? Like right. in this in the snarl that's happening here for this, right? Okay. So Shadow War, which didn't happen but now did, mm -hmm. the guy who was the bad guy in that actually was the good guy for several years after it for no reason that we can understand, except it was part of his long-term plan to screw with us by pretending to be Egyptian Hawkman's <laughs> son. But he's actually secretly an alien. Right? right. This is absolutely garbled. But okay, fine. Hawkworld continues on with starring the new Katar Hall, uh, who has nothing. He actually meets the Fel Endar pretending to be Carter Hall Jr. as part of like the whole story in which uh, uh, John Ostrander like supposedly figures this out, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, okay, fine. That is now ninety to ninety-three. That's the that's the continuity. That's the the set that's in there. In nineteen ninety-two several writers who were kind of agreed with Roy Thomas that like, we kind of did the justice society dirty mm -hmm. in last days of the justice society. That's a really shitty fate for these guys who are our heroes, right? Like they have to just fight a war forever and just keep dying and being resurrected. I don't like that. <laughs> right. These guys were important. These guys were beloved characters. That's a terrible ending for them. Yeah. You know, Roy Thomas apparently thought it was cool that they go down fighting, but they don't even go down fighting, right? Like they go down and keep getting up forever for eternity. That sucks. That's a terrible answer. So they undo last days of, just, of Justice Society. Basically, it's, they don't say it didn't happen. They basically rescue the Justice Society from that and pull them back to Earth, right? Yeah. And that's part of uh, the Armageddon storyline is that the Justice Society have been saved from Ragnarok and brought back. And then because DC still is unhappy about the idea about all of these old characters running around, during Zero Hour, a bunch of them get de-aged <laughs> so that it's okay that they're still like in costume, right? Like Alan Scott goes from being like 70 years old to like 40 by being hit with like a time ray by extant during the story, right? And, and Jay Garrick does too. Right. But a bunch of the other ones just die because DC doesn't want them anymore. There's no use to them, mm -hmm. right? The Golden Age Adam dies, Golden Age Hour Man dies, a couple other characters like all get killed off, uh, you know, for this basically get like aged to death. Right. And so as part of Zero Hour, uh, the writers of Zero Hour are like, okay, now this is our chance. We're going to fix Hawkman. We're going to finally straighten out this horrible mess that's like gone on for all of this point. You know, like which version are we, is the one that's going to go forward here, the Katar? from the 60s, the Katar from Hawkworld, the Carter from the 40s, all of these different characters, all these different versions of the character, none of them agree with each other. Doesn't matter. Zero Hour squishes all of the versions of Katar and Carter, all of the different Hawkmen together into one guy and does it really explicitly, makes it part of the storyline, right? Like, so there's no undoing continuity. It's literally from this day forward, smoosh, all of you are one dude. And you are all worshippers of the Hawk God. <laughs> in fact, you are the avatars of the Hawk God, right? Shiera apparently dies in this process, except she'll get reincarnated later, but she kind of vanishes during this, this storyline. And so the version we have now is Katar is in fact an alien whose ancestors visited ancient Egypt on Earth and are responsible for leaving Nth metal behind so that the ancient Egyptians could understand it. The existence of Nth Metal is because Katar's dad, who was this ancient hawk god avatar or whatever, threw an angel into hell and Nth Metal was made out of his body. Okay. Okay, okay. sure. Most intense one. 
Right. So now Katar is in fact a Thanagarian who's got this connection in theory through not, through Nth Metal that was his dad's fault to the ancient Egyptians, but he is still like the alien dude. Furthermore, we now introduce the idea not only is the modern Katar like an alien, but he is also somehow Native American. And the Hawk God is actually an avatar of a bunch of Native American tribes and has this whole like mystical tradition of Native American hoo-ha and is also somehow tied to Atlantis. This series lasts from 93 to 96, goes through zero hour, right? So like the, it's not until 94 that like the, the smush. All three years, they're just explaining that. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly, right? It's terrible. Yeah. It's a terrible, terrible series. Nobody likes it. Nobody's happy, right? You have screwed up continuity ever. When the hell did Indians come involved in this, right? Like Native Americans, where did that come from, <laughs> right? Atlantis, where did that come from? Like, what is that? You've just made this five times more complicated. Yeah. You haven't solved anything. Nobody is happy. Nobody likes this version of the character for it. Nothing is hap- Nothing is good about this, right? <laughs> uh, so finally in 1996, DC shows some mercy and kills the series. And in the end of the story, this Katar slash Carter ascends into Atlantis heaven. He goes into the land of Arion and he dies. And he's gone. Vanished. Okay. What has happened? What continuity comes out of this? We just don't answer. We're just waving our hands. A wizard did it. You just don't even pretend this never existed. All of this stuff is a terrible mess. And so Hawkman now doesn't appear for again for several years. Grant Morrison, during this stretch, comes on board with DC and starts writing Justice League. His Justice League revamps the Justice League, makes the Justice League super cool again. For it, Howard Carter's uh, not uh, what's his name. Howard, uh, what's his name's art uh, is you know really exciting, and he's doing this really great stuff with all of the major characters. And he goes to DC and says, "I have an idea for how to fix Hawkman. I want to do a completely new Hawkman, completely unrelated to all of the Hawkmen who have had anything to do before. I'm just I'm going to fix your problem in one swoop. Hawkman is now an angel. <laughs> Hawkman is an angel who gets kicked out of heaven." for something, right? And he comes to Earth and he joins the Justice League and he's an actual honest-to-God angel and will be fighting alongside this team. And DC's like, yeah, no. I don't think so. I don't think that's going to be, you know, like, acceptable. I don't think we can do that. You are, you do not have our permission to use Hawkman. We haven't figured out what we're doing with him yet. He has a really, left a really bad taste in the reader's mouths anyway. For us, you know, like, we don't want anything to do with this, so no... But that angel idea sounds cool. <laughs> Go ahead and do that, but you can't call him Hawkman. And so Grant Morrison, instead of having been denied the chance to like recreate Hawkman as an angel, instead creates Zoriel as a character. And Zoriel winds up joining the Justice League yeah. for this. And basically the entire backstory of Zoriel is what he planned to use for the new Hawkman okay. going forward, but was like denied by DC, was forbidden by DC the rights to do that. I didn't know that. I really like Zoriel. Um... Yeah, a lot of people did. He was an interesting character, and it would have been kind of a cool idea, right? And it would have solved a whole bunch of problems because, like, you know what? All that Hawkman continuity foolishness is in the past. Whatever. Hawkman's now an angel. Just accept it and go forward. We could have been fine. But, of course, DC couldn't get their heads around that idea, right? Right. So David Goyer and Jeff Johns get permission from DC to bring back the Justice Society in 1999. And they want, obviously, a Hawk character in it and they're told you know what yeah no hawkman still kind of verboten we're not uh, actually going there and they're like well what if we created a hawk girl instead of without hawkman 
What if we just made the hot girl a character? And they're like, hmm, that could be okay. And so starting in Justice Society number one by Johns and Goyer, there is a character, Kendra Saunders, who may or may not be the resurrection of Shiera Saunders, but we're not really sure. She doesn't believe it. A bunch of other supporting characters believe it and are kind of telling her about it. And she keeps rejecting that idea. You know, it's like, I'm not anybody's resurrected, whatever. I'm me, I'm a person, I'm doing this, you know, myself. And she has, uh, you know, uh, she's got a family relationship to the entire Saunders family. So she's got Shiera's old costume. She's got the wings, she's got the belt and she joins the Justice Society. Mm -hmm. And she's a pretty popular character. They like her. That's, you know, the, the fans accept her and they're kind of into this. Around the same time, within a year or two, the Justice League animated series comes out. And that's got a hot girl and not a hawk man in it, right? Because Shiera, because Kendra herself had become pretty successful, mm -hmm. right? The animated series, of course, because it's a television series, has a way wider scope than any of the monthly, month to month comic that comes out at this point it's you know it's 2001 right mm -hmm. and so suddenly there's an entire generation of kids whose only connection to the hawkman idea is through hawkgirl and they think hawkgirl's super cool mm -hmm. right hawkgirl's a badass in the in the in the tv series right and we get to oh absolutely one of my favorite justice yeah things. absolutely and in that series we meet a whole bunch of thanagarians we get a whole bunch of their backstory and everything the, the animated series basically leaves out all of the ancient egypt stuff Mm -hmm. And says, "This is Hot Girl, you know, a, a separate character unto herself." And the kids eat it up; they love it. So she is now appearing in Justice Society as a regular character. DC says, "Okay, maybe the world's ready to bring back Hawkman. We're going to do a series. Uh, we're going to do a quick limited series called Legend of the Hawkman, which will not be set in any particular time, but it's just going to be like three stories." about a Hawkman character that don't answer any continuity questions or anything that just kind of like established that there was a Hawkman back in the past and apparently he died. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. And that's called legend of the Hawkman and it's by Ben Robb and it's really quite good. It's out of continuity officially, but it kind of like sets the groundwork to say there used to be a Hawkman. He was kind of cool and he died. Who was he? Which backgrounds, which continuities did he use? We don't care. We're not going to even deal with that. So just that was fairly successful. So Goyer and Johns, by this point, pretty much just Johns uh, is writing JSA. In 2001, they bring back Carter. Carter comes back to life. Mm -hmm. And he is definitely Carter. He's definitely the reincarnated guy because part of the shtick is that he reincarnates again into a new body and kind of like explains like a bunch of the backstory, right? Mm -hmm. Now they have bought into the idea that the golden age guys were in fact also the members of the you know they, they brought ostrander's the uh, suggestion that the 60s 70s hawkman uh, hawkman and hawk girl were in fact also the 40s ones right like they would they just lived continuously during that time but and he also buys the idea that like the um prince khufu back in the golden age for or back in way before the golden age back in like ancient egypt or whatever was in contact with the thanagarian He'd met Thanagarians, and as like the greatest hero of Earth at that time, or one of the greatest heroes of Earth at that time, because there was also like Black Adam and Shazam were around back then. Mm -hmm. They had like a whole encounter with the Thanagarians. The Thanagarians gave them some tech. They gave them nth metal, and you know, kind of like they were they were allies together, which is why that version of Hawkman has a connection to Thanagar. 
and wears the costume the way the Thanagarian cops and soldiers do as part of kind of like his awareness of the uh, uh, of the the tradition of the Thanagarians, right? So now he's like a blended version of both of them. Mm-hmm. That kind of makes more sense than previous tries to like blend them, right? Right. So Hector, by this point, has been killed off on their the Golden Age character's son has been killed off mm-hmm. in Infinity Incorporated, came back as the Sandman uh, for a bit. Okay. Was in Neil Gaiman's Sandman gets killed as the Silver Age Sandman. Like you know, as a costumed heroes gets gets kind of like wiped out of continuity, and but not before he and his wife have given birth to the baby Daniel, who will go on to be the replacement Sandman, the replacement for Morpheus as as Dream, right in the in the Sandman universe. So as a reward for that, they DC decides that Morpheus just kind of waves his hand, and Hector comes back, and now he's Doctor Fate. Okay. Right, he's reborn as a baby, and then they give him like the fate materials, the helmet and the, and the cape and everything, and boom, he suddenly he's a grown up, and he's the new Doctor Fate. So now we've got the Justice Society team has father and son, Hawkman and Doctor Fate as members of the team, plus Hawkgirl, who is like the resurrected version of Hawkman's old wife, and Hawkman's totally ready to start up his new relationship with her, right? And she's just like, "Who the hell are you?" No, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, just because you tell me that, you know, thousands of years ago, we were, you know, reincarnated, or we, we, we were lovers in a previous life, I should just fall into bed with you? No, that's not really how it works. Thanks. Keep your, you know, keep your distance there, dude. And so they have this entertaining relationship that, uh, that kind of runs. They kind of do that in the, um, in Legends of Tomorrow, they try and do that, although the actors don't really. Right, yeah. But that is, that is what they tried. Absolutely. So we're getting close to the end of this now here for this. We're finally, you know, getting, getting close to figuring this out during this time. Uh, there is a horrible mistake made in which fell basically comes back as a character and we meet his son, Chal Andar, uh, who becomes the new golden Eagle. And for a while, Chal Andar, because Hawkman has like, pissed off back to Thanagar for part of the series. Hawkgirl still got her own running series. And during that time, she and Golden Eagle become partners and maybe lovers for a bit. But then he betrays her because he's actually still a Thanagarian spy dating all the way back to those Shadow War stories in the 80s. So he gets revealed as a bad guy. That's kind of a messed up storyline that doesn't really help anybody. (laughs) And uh, then we have, uh, during that time, the Ran Thanagar Wars uh, during Final Crisis take place, right? And so there's a whole bunch of stories that take place on Thanagar that straighten all that out. Final Crisis, DC was DC had made a, a decision that they were going to kill off the Hawks again in Final Crisis. And so there was once again, like editorial confusion stepped in. Like different writers and different editors apparently came out of those meetings with different ideas about what was supposed to happen. So in Final Crisis, there is a reference to them getting killed but it happens off panel. Meanwhile, Jeff Johns is doing Blackest Night as the follow-up to Final Crisis, and he orders that the Hawks appear in Blackest Night so he can kill them there, Right. which is where he thought the death was supposed to happen. Right. So there's actually two different death dates in 2008, 2009 of the, of the Hawks, right? Like we see them killed twice. Mm-hmm. In Blackest Night, they are killed by the Blackest Night resurrected versions of uh, Ralph and Sue Dibney. And then they become, they get resurrected. 
pretty brutally too, and if I remember the uh, pretty brutally yeah, pretty yeah, awfully yeah, yeah exactly comic. they come back as zombie monsters and then uh so they you know fight the justice league the dead versions of them fight the justice league and everybody for it mm -hmm. then at the end of blackest night they have another really confusing ending where maybe they come back to life but then maybe they quite they don't right it's not really quite clear how brightest day comes out for them yeah it seems like maybe they got turned into wind spirits or something at the end of that story <laughs> nobody's really clear what happens but definitely there is in fact once again no Hawkman or hawk girl immediately after uh brightest day right there's they're gone from continuity right during this time hawkman has now appeared on smallville Right. That's that's this is Smallville is the DC TV show at this point for it. And Hawkman has appeared multiple times in which Shaira is dead, but is referred to as a character a bunch of times. Right. So they've kind of like reestablished that relationship. Kendra is no longer Hawkgirl. Mm -hmm. Right. Is no longer the Hawkgirl everybody knows. We're referring to Shaira for this as kind of like Hawkman's wife character, even though we never actually see her in Smallville. Fortunately, this doesn't last very long because Flashpoint comes immediately after Brightest Day. We only have a few months, basically, in which like Hawks, the Hawks are once again in confusion. Yeah, and this is the start of the like monthly giant. Well, not the start, but we're well in the middle of the monthly giant summer. Everything's got to be rebooted every couple of. Uh... Right. Exactly. Yeah. So in Flashpoint, Golden Age Hawkman is now gone again. For this, we see a. We see a guy called Carter Hall, but Rob Liefeld reveals in Rob Liefeld's fashion that he is, in fact, actually Katar, uh, a Thanagarian who came to Earth and took a job as an, as an action archaeologist, Carter Hall, right? So we're trying to tie the two together again. Kendra, right out, she has now been booted over to Earth 2 so that they, she can appear in the Earth 2 series, right? We don't, she is no longer a character on Earth 1. And... Savage Hawkman starts up at this point as a series and basically kind of hand waves the problem by saying, you know what, Carter Hall has amnesia. Not only can we not figure out who he is, he certainly can't figure out who he is. And the entire series will be about a guy who is not quite sure what his past is. Because God knows we as the fans are not quite sure what his past is. And pretty much seems like we, the writers and editors, are not sure what his past is. Right? Right. Uh, so that lasts for a few years. During that time, the Hawks uh, both appear in the Arrowverse, right? They're in Flash, mm -hmm. they're in Arrow, they're, you know, like doing all that. We got their, that version of them, and then the, you know, uh, Legends of Tomorrow version of them kicks mm -hmm. in. In 2017, we do one more limited series where we kill off the Savage Hawkman, right? Because that clearly didn't work. The, the Hawkman that we had from 2011 to 2017, who was the alien who came to Earth and then pretended to be an archaeologist, that, that lasted six years, we kill him off again. Boom, gone. Literally, his last words in the last pages of that limited series are, see you next life, <laughs> right? Which is just kind of like the writer's hand-waving <laughs> of, you know, we don't know where this character is going. We don't know what's happening. None of this makes any sense. Right. So here we are now today, or close to today. In 2018, we get the new Dark Days limited series. This one has a new Hawkman who is Carter Hall, like the Earth 2 version. He is, in fact, a reincarnated Prince Khufu, mm -hmm. but he has Thanagarian tech because the Thanagarians went to ancient Egypt. And so that's, you know, we've, we've merged those two parts into one character. And furthermore, the whole idea of like reincarnation, Carter Hall hasn't just been reincarnated once. He gets reincarnated over and over again. And it turns right. out he and Shaira now have been, have had a zillion lives mm -hmm. throughout history. And furthermore, they don't have to happen in order, and they haven't all happened on Earth. 
which is a brilliant piece of time waving, right? Mm -hmm. Like he just waves his hand and boom, a whole lot of problems go away, right? right. Because Carter and Shaira, every time they die, they get reborn somewhere and some when else. So now there's no, now he's like Doctor Who. There's no time continuity at all because like, you know, he could be appearing a thousand years before his last death. He could be born again over there, right? So all of like the time snarls of like which guy was who pretty much now go away. And you have to kind of like, be impressed with the uh, with the the you know the hand waving that's going on here for this right. Mm -hmm. So this version of uh, of Carter Hall slash Katar Hall uh, at different points form was also Katar Ole of Krypton and happened to be on Krypton right before Krypton blew up mm -hmm. with Jor El right. He was uh, Carter Thule of Rana and like hung out with you know Adam Strange and all of this other stuff. All of these different versions plus they've been a million different characters. Um, in like DC history mm -hmm. uh, and and real world history, right? Carter Hall uh, was in fact um, the Silent Knight, who was a DC character set during the era of Camelot, and who has been established as a ancestor of Superman's adoptive parents of the Kents in Smallville. Okay, right. So now Hawkman is actually Superman's great to the nth and 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 you know grand great 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 grandfather by adoption. Right, but he was also present on Krypton when Superman was born, as a completely different guy. He was also, along with Shara, uh, he was Captain John Smith, and Shara was Pocahontas. Mm -hmm. The version of Shara and Carter Hall uh, that were was on Zamoran died. Their bodies crystallized in like a weird energy, and that energy became the Star Sapphires. So literally, uh, the star, the entire Star Sapphire core is powered by the bones of Hawkman and Hawkgirl from a million years ago. Huh. Right? Yeah. Like, you thought continuity was crazy for this character before. It's gone absolutely bug nuts in the last two years. Yeah. Right? But, like we said, now he's Doctor Who. It doesn't matter. He can be anywhere in time and space. And all of, like, the possible continuity snarls that you could present to DC about this character that say, you know, but this doesn't make sense, they can just kind of hand wave. Of course it did. It's fine. He just, it just happened out of order. Because to him, it happened in order of his, you know, reincarnations. He was everywhere. He's been everybody. He's been everywhere. He's been on every planet. He's been in every time. And... Like, you know, with a magical, it's Alexander with his sword cutting through the Gordian knot, right? Like, he's, right. they've literally just kind of, like, removed all of the snarls of this character by making fun of them, <laughs> right? At this point, they just have kind of, like, acknowledged that the character is such a mess that we've turned him into Doctor Who, effectively, and thereby solved the problem. So, hey, happy ending, as it turns out. This version of this character can now kind of go forward. And if you're not reading the current Hawkman, you really should, because it's, it's, it's actually really very good. It's very well written uh, by uh, Robert Venditti is the main uh, author on it. Mm -hmm. And he's pretty much kind of just hand waved away all the problems. It's a, it's a feat of magic that's really kind of impressive. Wow. That sounds uh, great. I'm going to have to pick it up in my next, uh, my next run. I do, in fact, re uh, recommend it. All right. Well, that is uh, Hawkman in one easily one of the most uh confusing characters histories uh, absolutely oh he's the he's the king when people ask us the kind of characters that we're trying to figure out yeah he's the first one that gets mentioned to us absolutely so hopefully we'll be i hope this helps next time yeah i hope the guys uh i hope that clears up all of uh your questions about carter hall or katar hall 
So thank you all for joining us. Uh, I've been Steve Tasker. I'm Darren Watts. Yep. Have a good day. Thanks for coming. <laughs>